This is episode number 61. You are enough with Tanya Tuck. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, struggle, and suffering in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few brief announcements regarding our upcoming events, one in Philadelphia on April 27th called Never Say Kent, and the other one is in Austin, Texas on May 25th called Where Do You Belong? This is a chance for you to connect with hundreds of people who are going through a similar transformation that you are, a chance for you to explore your own story or create the story that you want to live and not the story that others want you to live. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash never say can't or overcomingodds.today forward slash where do you belong. Now, let's get back to our guest. Tanya Tuck has over 20 years of experience as a teacher and a decade as an emotional wellness specialist. Using this knowledge as a coach, mentor, and educator, she refocuses you on yourself first so that you can offer the most to others in terms of love and contribution. She specializes in working with all adults who have childhood or adolescent trauma that still affects their lives. Tanya, as most of our listeners, is an adoptee So her own sense of identity and belonging have been investigated through different life transitions. Without further ado, please welcome Tanya Tuck. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Ads podcast. Today's guest is a good friend of mine who will also be one of the speakers at an upcoming event that we're hosting in Austin, Texas called Where Do You Belong? Her name is Tanya Tuck. She's an emotional wellness specialist, owner of wellness clinics in North Texas, and teacher. She specializes in working with all adults who have childhood and adolescent trauma that still affect their lives. Tanya, just like many of the other listeners on the show, is an adoptee, so her own sense of identity and belonging have been investigated through different life transitions. Tanya, welcome to the show. Hey, Oleg, thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you, and I was very fortunate to do so at one of the first events that we had last year in June. Mm-hmm. And I remember that conversation initially and how we started to explore the different themes that um, we experience as those who have been adopted and have gone through that journey. And so what I wanted to do is bring you onto the show and have you share as much of that journey as possible with some of the listeners, because I think there's so much value within the experiences that you have in your life. And the way that I would like to start out this conversation goes back to this theme that we're exploring for this next month or so, and that is this concept of belonging. 
and right. why it is important to us as human beings to belong somewhere, to be part of different groups, and the impact that it has on our own identity. So the question that I have for you is that what about that topic is important to you? Well, it's a very interesting thing because I think when we want to belong mm -hmm. anywhere, it's all about being seen mm. and being seen for who we truly are. And I think as an adoptee, and I think that, you know, you might be able to say the same is that they don't get to see all of us because we can't show all of us because there's this part of us that is either hidden to us or unknown to us. So when we're looking at um, how to be seen, it's an enigma to us too. So we're like, we're just playing with, well, who am I? We're, we're constantly in a kind of trying to show ourselves. But generally, I think that when we know we feel we belong, mm -hmm. it's because we can be confident to be ourselves in the company that we're in. So it could be in our family group or it could be with our friends. And that tends to be where we we do settle and feel like we belong is because our friends we pick because we reflect each other. We have mm -hmm. something similar or something in similar, uh, something in common, I should say, or we feel like we believe the same things or things like that. So we, we just have all common experiences. So that's how we belong. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, certain journeys in our lives can really uh, make a difference to how we feel that way. And um, in my own personal story, obviously, I found out when I was four that I was adopted. And I think that even though as a four-year-old, I was um, believing in, you know, my family and everything, I was very contented, that information just sat in the background of my of my awareness and I I was a big why why this why that big why questioner as, as most of us are mm -hmm. yeah right because I think we're trying to make sense of something that is too big a concept as a, as a young child to really understand but it makes you then have this sh sort of duality as as we know there's a lot of duality in life and um that was constantly playing and as an adult as I look back I realized that I had a big part in who I was because at nine I was sent five hours away to an, a boarding school and I remember being dropped off with a trunk which was literally a hard wooden case that had all mm -hmm. of my clothes and a, and a tuck box and that was it and you know my parents was actually too far away to come and see me much so for the first year I think I went out with other people so I didn't actually get to go home for 12 or 13 weeks. And so a sense of belonging was really needed there because, um, you know, so that, so at a boarding school, it's really structure that mm -hmm. gives that sense of, you know, because you're doing the same things every day with everybody else. So you kind of fit in, but do you belong to these other people? I mean, I think the boarding school does create huge bonds between people um, because you're having this shared experience. But I'm not sure that, um, you know, it's exactly the thing that an adoptee needs when they've already had, you know, the uprooting when they were a little baby or whatever age, and then they get to be uprooted from that. Um, however, there was another adoptee who was there as well. And I, this was in the, in the 70s. And in the 70s, you know, being adopted was not something that was actually – 
uh, well, it certainly wasn't talked about. And, you know, it was our little secret. I think the one of the, the teachers had actually put us together and said, oh, by the way, you two are both adopted. And so we looked at each other like, wow, really? <laughs> You're like me. It was like, so in fact, you know, however many decades later, we're still friends. And um, she, I'm actually seeing her next week in Italy. I'm flying to Italy to see her. And um, I think that that's another really interesting piece is that, the people that I've met, I was nine or 10 when I met her, right? And I think there's been five or six other people that have popped up in my life. But I meet them, find out that we have adoption in common. And that bonds us for life. I mean, I can safely say that the people that I meet, no matter how, mm-hmm. when that information is shared, we suddenly have that commonality that um, brings us to really... Uh, appreciate each other because you have that that sense of tribe actually it's like I just know that you know I know you know mm-hmm. and so I really appreciate that um, added extra um, that we get by being adoptees mm-hmm. I'm curious to know as far as you know going back to a little bit what you you were talking about the sense of abandonment that you might have felt when you were given up the the question that I have is how do you and, and I deal with similar things when it comes to that because that initial bond was broken with your parents how do you redevelop that sense of trust moving forward interesting well I have a feeling I'm testing a theory mm-hmm. that actually the the, the um, separation from our birth mother, whilst it is a major, major life event, um, it's also there for our soul's purpose. And so when we are separated from our mother at that stage, um, obviously our brains are still in a very formative point. Um, we are only able to really respond. We're not able to make any kind of cognitive understanding of what's happened we just know it in our bodies right so we have a sense of something being radically different um i think at that point we really rely on ourselves i think that there's a there's a um gift in the relinquishment in that the only thing we can trust the only person we can trust is ourselves Mm -hmm. and so we we start an inner journey way before any other baby <laughs> um, or child. I think that, that, that we have a real gift at that point. Um, my, I was um, adopted about six weeks after I was born. The first three I had in an incubator, and then the next two and a half I had with a, with a foster mother while I was being placed with an adoption agency in London. And... I've actually gone into that sort of phase of my life quite deeply by looking at if there are such things as universal laws whereby you can't have, um, you know, uh, someone being lost without gaining something. You have the the law of polarity means you can't have a positive without a negative and vice versa. And and they are there in balance. So I was looking at, okay, so if I felt that I was lost Mm -hmm. as a baby, well, where was I found? And if I felt that she gave me up, who took me in? I was looking for the balance. And I was mm. realizing 
that that was happening with, you know, I was a premature baby. So I, I went from her to the nurses and they were these amazing professionals looking after the babies in incubators. So there's no doubt that I had an amazing sense of care from these people. And it's a very interesting concept. Yes. One way to look at that. Yes. So I know that we talk about abandonment. Um, for me, actually, again, having looked very deeply at mine, it wasn't abandonment, but isolation. Because at that time, I would, you know, other babies at that moment would have been in the arms of someone else. So whilst there is something happening in them saying, uh, wrong heartbeat, wrong smells, wrong everything, what's going on, you know, alarms of threat because things are different. I was put in an incubator. And in those days, I don't think they knew that babies needed to be touched to help. Mm -hmm. So I think I spent a lot of time apart from my normal you know, routines of, of being alone. So mm -hmm. for me, it was isolation. Uh, not abandonment so much that was the thing that um, uh, was my go-to feeling there because I have a very strong desire because out of this time I think is born our drives um, because I have a huge need to connect and have authentic connection with others and I can link that back to that time um, and that's actually led me to my purpose as a as a person. You know, I was a teacher for 20 years, and uh, then I've been a, an emotional wellness specialist and coach teacher for the last 10. And I think that the more I do, the more I realize I have such a, you know, a, a task and a gift to give to the world, which comes directly from this moment. So, mm -hmm. um, we had a speaker in San Diego. His name is Mark Y, and he was giving a presentation on. I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of primal wound mm -hmm, and he had reversed that into a primal strength. And so he yeah. started to look at the different areas within his life where he was able to gain different skills. And the conclusion that he came up with was that through his experience of being adopted, he had gained um, three skills and it was uh, empathy, self-reliance and drive. And it was just so funny to look at that because I looked at all three and I, I saw myself through him. You know, when, yeah. when we spoke at the beginning of this conversation, you were mentioning how people within your environment are almost like mirrors or mm -hmm. um, you project mm -hmm. yourself through them. And that's why yeah. you connect because you can see a part of yourself through their their self-image. Right. And so the, the question that I have for you, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was your ability to connect with other people. But are there any other skills that you've been able to become aware of that you've gained through this experience of of being adopted and kind of going through that journey? Gosh, I think, you know, I mean, uh, I think I love his um, perspective, Mark Wise's perspective, because I think we're on the very same path. I'd love to speak to him, actually. Uh, but, you know, I, I do believe there's plenty of skills, but it's it, there is, he said self-reliance, did he? Yes, self-reliance. There's, there's strength, though. I mean, there's inner strength that we have. It's almost... Um, it's almost a gift that, um, uh, well, it is a gift, I think. Being adopted, mm -hmm. being relinquished is a journey that is for us alone. And 
I think for us to have some awareness of that so early on, um, other people have to wait till they're abandoned by a boyfriend in their teens or, you know, they have some experience to realize that there's, there's something that they're here to learn. You know, they don't, they don't necessarily have that, that same um, wisdom that we get very early on. So I think there's wisdom that we're given, mm-hmm. um, an awakening, actually. Uh, I would say that uh, the awakening that we get that other people just don't get is, um, I mean, they do, but not at the very early stages of their their, their life, um, sets us on a path to think a different way, to feel a different way, which is sort of alive in the, in the sense that we are um, very aware of what's going on around us. We're very, uh, you know, we're, th- we're looking out for ourselves from the word go. And the reason why that's important is because um, we have a sense of self perhaps much earlier than other people. Mm. Um, even though even though we're questioning that all the time, and even mm-hmm. though those questions can't necessarily be answered, the very fact that we're questioning, I think really helps um, for us to have that drive and have that sense of who we are. Um, I think we're very special people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we stand out from the crowd, even if we don't actually, we feel we do. And because we feel we do, because we feel we're a black sheep. Is that beeping mine? I'm just going to take this. I don't think I've turned my phone off, but I don't know if it's my beep. Sorry about that. Um, I do believe that my, um, I do believe we're very special people. And because of what's gone on for us, that feeling of standing out, that feeling of being a black sheep or whatever the feeling is. I mean, I always feel that I'm on the edge of a group. Even if I'm in the middle of it, I will, I'm inside looking out. I mean, outside looking in maybe. And um, and, and what that gives me is a vantage point because I'm observing others. And I think that as, as Mark said, empathy was really strong. I think that um, I'm a, I'm, I think intuitiveness is strong. I think we can read people or we're looking to read people, um, you know, really strongly as well. Um, and that gives us uh, the ability to recognize when other people are in pain. You know, I know that when I was a, you know, my day school, when I was little, I used to have friends and my mom said, you always pick up the lame ducks, Tanya. Why do you pick up the lame ducks? I was like, I don't. I just recognize that this girl feels the same way that I do and I know that I'm going to make sure she doesn't feel that way um you know I know with my staff in my clinics you know I I'm the go-to person for coaching and stuff with them when their lives just go upside down um you know I think I have the capacity to learn and see but I think that that's partly my um you know, my drive that's come from before is that I want to understand people. I want to know how they tick and I want to give them the skill sets so that they can feel strong and centered in who they truly are. Because mm-hmm. guess what? Who are we when we're adopted? You know, there is always this other part. We can know as much as we possibly want about our present day and who we're with in our family, etc. But there's always the other side, right? There's always uh, the unknown. Yeah. 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 And there is unknown. I mean, there's going to be unknown all the time. And that brings me to another point is that 
I really think that what we need to learn to do is to be comfortable in the unknown and realize that the unknown isn't the thing that you've got to conquer and discover in order to be able to conquer and discover who you are. I think there's a much deeper piece here, which is that the unknown is where all possibility lies. The unknown is where um, all potentiality lies. And we have all the possibility and potentiality. And if we can actually um, really uh, become content with who we are today, mm -hmm. not having to un you know, un unwrap and un discover everything else about our pasts, then we can breathe and we can be currently um, authentic. Yes, there's, un there's unknown. Yeah, mm -hmm. there is. You know, I'm not trying to, to to seek it out, thinking that I'm incomplete. I'm I'm just saying I'm sitting with it. Sitting mm -hmm. with it. Tell me more about how you speak a lot about um, being who you are and being true and authentic to yourself. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you're able to kind of check yourself as far as whether you're in the present and true to who you are and authentic during all forms of communication. Like, is there... Are there questions, are there exercises that you do on your end that yeah. can allow other people to do similar stuff? Yes, absolutely. I think that um, in my work that I do, I totally believe that there are, um, you know, we have our lives, we have our relationships, our career and our health sort of circling around as important parts. But right in the middle of that is our sense of identity. And that identity um, is made up through our values of what we believe are our drives and the things that are important to us. And that's sort of indicated by the things we would say yes to, you know, mm -hmm. the things that we move towards, those are our values. And I have an exercise to, to help um, uh, elicit those. But it's also about knowing your purpose. Why are you here? I mean, you know, there's a lot of people I believe that are quite asleep in their lives. And I think that one of the benefits of being adopted is that you or even fostered as well, because that's also obviously a very big awakener, is that you're awake. You can't possibly be asleep in your life. I mean, you can numb yourself out. You can, you can become, you know, addicted to something in order to forget or try and move away from something. But you're not necessarily asleep. You know, yeah. um, you've been awakened. And so, being able to know those two things, and then it's about so you're looking for your, you knowing, understanding your purpose, um, knowing your values. And then it's about showing up in the present moment, right? Um, I know a lot of people judge, oh my gosh, what will they think of me if I am like this? And it's about being able to say, well, actually, who am I being if I'm not being true to myself? So sometimes we become people pleasers. And I think that um, I, I've, done, I've had that phase in my life and I've realized because I didn't want to upset anyone because I didn't want them to be cross or not like me, right? You know, there's this whole thing I want to be liked. But, um, you know, my old age plus understanding a bit more about things, I've realized that, you know, you don't need to live like that. What you do need to do is be authentically you. So sometimes being authentically you means saying no or telling somebody something that they don't want to hear or, in quotes, letting someone down, right? Mm -hmm. But what I've realized is that I'm going to make people unhappy or pissed off um, whether I'm saying the right thing or not. You know, I realized that half the world is going to like what I say and half the world isn't. So I might as well be authentic to myself. 
um, I might as well um, make the decisions that are aligned to what I believe, um, you know, and what makes me shine. And it takes some courage to do that because we do want to be liked ultimately. But yeah. when we realize that we are not really um, as um, it doesn't matter either way, so you might as well be true to you, then that really helps. It sort of frees you up to go, phew, okay. So in my value system, when I have a high value for being having authentic communication and connection, I'm going to respond like this. Mm-hmm. This person might not like it, but that's the way it goes. Um, and, and I think that that makes you realize that you're, because when you, if you don't give, if you don't, if you're not true to yourself and you're you're living according to other people, you're injecting their values in your life. You don't belong there either. So you right. don't have belonging in your own world. You're constantly saying, "What do they want?" Um, you know, Freud talked about a super ego, and that was all the authority figures sort of sitting in your head, like your mom and your dad and your teachers and your priest or whoever else were the big, you know, the big few that gave you the rules as a child. And um, and then what we do is we inject that and we have them sitting in our brains. And so one of the words that really helps you uh, know if you're being authentic or not is the word should. I should make my bed means that the should means that there's an inject, there's somebody in there. Okay. So is it mom? You know, were you always told to make your bed by somebody? And, you know, so that, so the way to go around that is to say, okay, so I've just said should. So who is it? Oh gosh. Yes. That's my mom. All right. So what do I want to do? Um, Mm. I, I would actually like to make my bed and, you know, because I actually like a tidy room or I like, you know, whatever it is. So you actually tag the word should to go, whoops, hang on a minute. Who is it? Am I, am I really wanting to do this or am I injecting the values of somebody else? Am I meant to be doing this or um, it's somebody else's deal? Hmm. It does. It does. Oh. And so we do a lot of shoulding. And, you know, there's a phrase, you know, I'm shooting all over myself you know, because I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not living authentically. You know, I'm not living according to who I truly am. Um, and, you know, so then you take a deep breath. And in that moment, you go, what do I truly think I should be? Oh, that's a funny thing. I should say should in that sentence. I would like to do. I desire to do. I am inspired to do. Insp- inspiration is a really good word to, to replace you. What would inspire me to do here mm-hmm. right now? And then you can really look at that answer and go, okay, all right, I'm going to do that instead. You bring up a really good point, and this is something that I've learned over time, is that I think especially when you step into a larger picture, when you are creating a community or anything that involves a body of people, you know, there's a tremendous amount of courage that you have to step into. And so what I've learned over time as we've been developing this community for overcoming odds is that there are a couple of fundamental truths, but one of them is that you can't please everyone nor should you speaking of, yeah, the, you know, absolutely. because I, I think that's a, I mean, that's a recipe that's um, meant for failure. Not to say that failure is a bad thing by any means, because it it's, it is one of the only ways when you get to really learn the true lessons behind the actions that you take but i think especially in today's age where there's so much um emphasis on social media and the presence that you have online and stuff like that you know it's difficult for people to break away from that 
from yes, that perfect because, picture and right and, and then and they pre present they are seeing all these in quotes perfect lives mm -hmm. and they are believing that this if i can show this then i'm going to be feeling successful and mm -hmm. it's so not true and i have to say because sometimes i i know what's going on in someone's life and then i see what they post and i realize that nearly to a T, the more it's this happy picture, the more I know actually life is terrible. <laughs> you know, in the background, in the true life they're having, they're really struggling. Mm -hmm. And so they will post the near opposite of what that's really going on on Facebook in order that they can actually um, get all the likes and get the little sort of dopamine fix of all the, all, of all the sort of the love that comes from all their friends and stuff because they need it because actually the opposite is going on so i think it's quite healthy when you really see a post that looks picture perfect okay what would be the opposite of this oh they're lonely oh they're you know because that's maybe what's going on for them mm -hmm. um what they're presenting is what they want to project back but they don't necessarily feel that way underneath um so do you think in a ca I, case like that people should be true to who they are. So for example, if you're experiencing any form of adversity, like let's say um, anything that has to do with emotions or finances, I mean, is it more beneficial for you to post something like that where you are in the moment and experiencing that? Or do you post the polar opposite to reverse the situation that you are in right now? And, you know, you spoke about kind of like finding the opposite side to your situation, right. you know, right one way to do that go from negative to positive is you have to be able to change your state of mind instead of being mm -hmm. so is it is it more beneficial to stay in the moment or almost like manifest it before it happens well so there's two ways i if you're using social media for for literally being social it's one thing if you're doing it to be sort of presenting a persona or i mean we're all presenting personas but i believe that um, you know, I've I've been advised, and I think this is great, is that be real. However, I don't think you do anything that exposes you in a way that you don't want to be exposed. So I think it's it, there's a moderative a moderating position in between. Um, I certainly know that the posts that I identify with or really appreciate is when someone's being real and heart heart opened. You know, they're they're actually sharing something about how things are, but they might share how what they've learned from it so they're not just you know bleeding you know oh my life is terrible because mm -hmm. um, that that's sort of shocking in a way and we don't know what to do because we really don't know the whole picture right right but i think that when people have have a open-hearted moment with themselves and they can be perhaps a little vulnerable but real that's the post that really touches others guess what because we when we see somebody else having that position where we're open-hearted and real we get permission to be the same mm -hmm. and that allows us to show another side of ourselves because yes generally facebook is the shiny side right <laughs> we want to show everybody oh i have a nice house i have a nice dog look at this lovely plate of food you know because we want to share it in that moment and and i think that that there's a huge amount to be said for that um do we want to share the rest of our lives not necessarily so 
but it's about recognizing that you know don't set people's your standards for yourself by other people's shiny sides because that's not true just know i think it's to know that when it's looking too impossible it probably is and that they are struggling i mean i know one particular person that posts pictures selfies of herself mm-hmm. to you know particularly beautiful pictures to get 110 likes or whatever, or, oh, you're so beautiful. But I know in that moment when she does that, she's feeling the worst. She's feeling vulnerable. She doesn't feel good about herself. And so that's her method of getting a bit of love in her life. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But for those people who only see it, oh, she's so beautiful. She's beautiful all the time. That's not true. Mm. That's how she's feeling inside. Um, And, you know, I think when I kind of made that connection it let me off the hook because I realized I didn't have to do all these selfies and I didn't I don't because I don't want it and so I think that's the other point is check in how do I show up I don't want to show myself in this way so don't do it I think it's about that personal permission I that's that would be another thing that I think comes up from from being adopted or relinquished is that you you're constantly looking for for permission to exist mm-hmm. um, now, some of us do it by overachieving and, you know, being amazing at everything. <laughs> and others just, you know, feel a little bit like a, a rabbit in the headlights and uh, not sure if I'm allowed. Can mm-hmm. I show up like this? And so I think the more I give myself permission to be me, the more I can be me, the more I'm more of me shows up, the more the world is saying, hey, nice to see you. You know, mm-hmm. so that's so I think that that's the other piece that I um would would say is that you are rewarded by being yourself um the world wants to see you other people want to see you because when they can see you in your the reflection they they see see themselves themselves. and that's what we all are truly looking for we want to be seen we want to be seen by the world and accepted for who we are by the world Um, but it takes a huge amount of courage uh, there's no doubt you need courage to be able to, to uh, share yourself because you, you're very vulnerable under there. And so some people, you know, have crutches. They, they put on weight or, um, you know, they, they, they pad themselves out so that, oh, it, if something goes wrong or they're rejected, it's, hey, it's because I'm fat, you know. It doesn't, they, they, they kind of give themselves a layer. So um, it's not just that way. We give ourselves layers by being over an, an overachiever. We give ourselves layers by um, having an addiction, you know, whatever the thing is we will um uh we'll be using it so we can blame that when something goes wrong oh it's because i was working too hard that my marriage failed you know it's it's our excuse and and as we grow up and we realize that we can actually um show up and um be ourselves and it's not going to be always great it's going to have good bits bad bits support and challenge in equal measure but as long as we're being authentic you know we can probably um save a marriage that wouldn't have been saved Mm -hmm. because we're showing up and actually saying how we're feeling rather than masking it by going to work all the time or you know eating our way through our our feelings rather than actually saying them you know when we can actually show up and be ourselves um as I say, we give permission to others, even our, even the people who have known and loved us all along. I mean, you know, we all want to be loved for who we are. That's the, that's the bottom line. Um, but for some of us, it's the journey of finding who we are uh, to be able to be loved for who we are. So it's sort of like a, a, a dual task. Two-step process, yeah. 
two-step process. And I, I'd, li I'd like to say that the moment, by the way, when, when, you're, when you're trying to do something extraordinary, when, you're, when you have detractors, when you've got people who are putting you down, when people are saying, this is terrible, it's never going to work, um, then you know you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. Because you're creating something extraordinary. It's when you are trying to please people or make it successful in the current uh, sort of set of parameters that you are actually um, not being successful just because it's already been done. It's when you stretch beyond and you're doing your, you're in new territory, you're being a pioneer and it feels different and it's scary and you're out there and people are trying to pull you down. That's the first stage actually of being a, an original thinker. Um, you know, they will condemn you. And then they will become your raving fans. Mm -hmm. But there's a, they've got to condemn you first, okay? So if we think about that for every single individual, you know, that's one of the things. We don't want to be condemned. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be unique because, hey, look what happens. And, and we're herds, people, you know. That's, we tend to want to be in a group um, and be accepted by the group because that's our survival. And it's true. And we won't do anything too radical. But for some of us, um, there's a journey to be taken where we are stepping out into the void, into the unknown, and being pioneers. And what we're doing is blazing the path for others to follow. And once we've done that, um, it's, it's already, it's, it's, it, we're, we're creating something different. It's a really interesting point that you bring up. I've, over the past couple of years, I've been fortunate to study some of the original innovators and just leaders within our lifetime, Steve Jobs and people like that. It's it's I mean it's spot on with what you just said, yeah. Yeah. as far as you know they they started something that was, it's not necessarily that it was new, it was just a different way to look at the things that they were doing, yeah. and at the very beginning I mean it they received similar comments to um, what we receive on a on a weekly monthly uh, basis, and that is you know p people will. Um, question certain things and I think it's I think it's good to be able to receive that type of um, criticism and feed back uh, one of my friends Brian Kelly he actually helped me redefine feedback and he said it's really it's feed forward and because it's it's reflecting on what you currently have with the intention of have, helping you move forward and I think that's when you look at any form right. when you're being um questioned it's important because then it, it allows you if you are aware to take a step back and say okay these people are questioning this aspect but why right and then because otherwise you know if you just kind of go by and and don't really look at a lot of the comments and and stuff that you're being um given along the way then you just you're going on a journey by yourself without right. really paying attention to environment um, I do believe that there is the universe is not stacked against you. I do believe it works with you. So you yes. have so many people, people, weather, whatever, that comes into your life and helps and guides you in certain ways and helps you reflect and understand the path that you are creating for yourself. I like to, with, with my clients, it's really true that when they have a person that they are finding really difficult 
you know, my mother, my sister, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, whoever it is, that person is really, really challenging them. I'm saying, oh, you've got a fantastic teacher. What are they here for? Yeah. <laughs> you just reframe it. It's because true. when you actually see them as your teacher or your guide, they're moving your, they're shifting your world. Mm-hmm. So what are they, what are, what about your world needs a shift? And, um, you know, I like to see adversity in all these um, terrible, in quotes, terrible moments. I, I, I call, I have a process called the Spectrum of Wisdom process. And when there is an event that affects every area of your life, mm-hmm. it's a biggie. I call it a threshold moment because from that moment on, everything is different. Everything, you've, 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 that thing that happened, that car crash, that, that relinquishment, whatever it was, that thing changes everything going forward. So true. So you don't have to see it as the thing that happened that stopped my life. It's actually the thing that you've stepped through and what's happening on the other side. And it's literally a learning tool. So if you can see it as your teacher, as your guide, as as a sort of an awakening, you are basically going to be in so much of a better position around embracing the new challenges that you have. And, you know, and, and the challenges grow. The more you learn, the more you understand, the bigger the challenges, because you're just ready for the next set of challenge. I don't think we can ever be in a life without challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who thinks that they can get rid of challenge is going to have disappointment because, oh, my God, here's another one. Um, but when you can embrace life and say, oh, my gosh, with the support that I need, I will be challenged. And they come as a pair, like a, a coin with two sides. If you can actually think of it like that, you don't, um, you know, uh, get cross with the challenge. You embrace it because you go, okay, so where's my support? You know, mm-hmm. where's, where's the other side? Because if you can, if you see the challenge, the support is there. If you see the support, you go, okay, where's the challenge? And if you can just look at it like that, you get a whole picture, and uh, you're not disappointed when the challenge comes. Oh, here it is. All right. This is what I'm, this is the learning here. Okay. And as I frame it to see the learning, cause it's no, there's no mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just learning. The mistake is when the learning doesn't happen because what happens, it's a mistake. You will end up having that learning again down the road. So you <laughs> might as well get it now, you know, <laughs> just, just do it now. It's, it's quicker. <laughs> but, um, you know, when it comes around again, you go, Oh, okay. I'm, I really must get it this time because it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. Final thought for today's episode, and this is a question that I ask some of our guests that come into the show. Who are you grateful for today and why? Wow. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm going to start with I'm grateful for me. I wouldn't have done that earlier in my life, but I recognize that everything in my world is is around myself so if I have me in the epicenter of my world, I can control and understand and help the world better and serve the world better by not putting everybody else in the middle and I'm out here. So in my world, I have gratitude for me. But then I would circle out to my children, to my husband, to my friends, to my colleagues, to I would I have huge gratitude for um, thought leaders, for people who are Um, being able to make the world make sense. Um, uh, Gratitude is a huge um, currency in my world. I think that when you can feel grateful 
for everybody and everything and every challenge and all the bits that you don't love, if you can find gratitude for them, then you basically are creating, um, you know, sort of oiling the wheels and you're oiling, you're, you're allowing for flow in your world. So, um, I have gratitude for the trees outside of this window that I'm looking at. I and the sun and the the bird that's cooing. Oh my gosh, the dove that's cooing. I can hear it. Um, you know, I I think that when you can open your heart to having gratitude for everything that's going on, you can breathe and you can just be, and then you become more present, and then, you know, you can be more of you. So, it's a great question. But I, I, I really, just coming up saying I start with me, I think that's cool. I wouldn't have said that before. So mm-hmm. I'm going to play, play with that idea. Start and, with and why do you say that as far as you wouldn't have said that before? Um, I wouldn't have given my, myself permission, actually. I think I would have thought I can't do that. It's not. It's selfish or it's um, other people are more important than me. You know, there's a little sort of a tag there about, you know, if I'm if I was adopted, then I can't have been good enough. Right. There's a whole there's a whole little piece there. Um, And I think self-love and when you can actually allow yourself to love yourself, you can allow yourself to to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm showing up right now. So I'm allowing myself to love myself and to have gratitude for my part in the world. And I realize that even though I can be in the side wings for lots of people in their lives, um, in my own world, I'm meant to be center stage, as you are, and as every listener is meant to be center stage in their world. Mm-hmm. You know, you are meant to be right bang in the middle of your own stage, um, and that can be very scary for a lot of people. So they go, oh, "Let me be the light man. I don't <laughs> want to be the one in the middle." But you know, really, ultimately, you're here on the journey for one. You know, this is your journey. This is your spotlight. The spotlights are on you in your little world. So. Having gratitude for yourself is great. It's it's not selfish. It's just um, it's allowing you to start to shine. It's allowing you to start to be. Mm-hmm. And then from there, who knows what you create and how many lives you affect? I mean, I think that's where you get to be really powerful. Mm-hmm. And from that position, how wonderful is that? You know, because you get to make a difference, and that's what we're we also here for. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. To make you know to show up. Mm-hmm. Tanya, how do people find you and what are some of the things that you have coming up that people can be a part of? Well, I'm very excited to say I'm going to be a speaker for you at um, Overcoming Odds in May. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, uh, you can find me at um, www.supremewellnesscoaching.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Tanya Tuck. I'm on Facebook as Tanya Tuck. Um, I'm on YouTube as, as Supreme Wellness. And you can see us. Um, I've done some videos and things. You can see those. I've done some podcasts. Um, you can see those. I did one on depression, um, one on anxiety, stress, one on um, uh, feeling, you know, how to express yourself and things. So I'd love you to just check out that. But, you know, if you're interested in, in talking to me further, you know, you can just do um, go to the Supreme Wellness coaching site and there's a contact page. That would be lovely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Uh, We look forward to having you as a speaker in an event. For those that haven't had a chance to check it out yet, it is called Where Do You Belong in Austin, Texas on May 25th. The information can be found on our website at overcomingodds.today forward slash 
where do you belong? Um, once again, Tanya, thank you for so much for being a guest and sharing your experience and your journey with us. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of our latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.